Welcome, friends, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that's always coming up just short. My name is Frank. I'm Paul. And that was Scott. I think Scott had a little buzz there. Um, and Paul. And uh, yeah, we should, no, we should we, all have a little buzz after that. That's game. what she said. Uh, no, I've just been rewatching The Office and listening to my new favorite non uh, Bills podcast. This is my favorite Bills podcast. It's my only Bills podcast, but my new favorite non-Bills podcast is Office Ladies. Um, and it's a it's a humdinger. And if you guys like The Office, you should listen to it because it's it's pretty excellent. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Romo Chomo. No, we are here to talk about um, – you can Google Robo Chomo at your own uh, pleasure. Um, it's not at work. Yeah, yes. do, no, do it at work, please. Please do it at work. Um, if you hate your job, do it at work. We're here to talk about the tale of two halves. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Look, I, I feel upbeat. I sound upbeat for a team that dropped a game to Tampa and is now seven and six and in the last spot of the playoffs. Um, but it was a remarkable fo- football game. It was probably one of two really good football games that they played this year that they lost. Um there are obviously when you lose a football game, obviously you didn't do everything right, but you they acquitted themselves with honor, uh, which was not apparent when Scott had gone to bed. Um, and certainly uh, I was feeling good about my choice to build an art desk for my children during the first half of the game, um, which is an old trick I learned from many years of losing to Tom Brady, that it, you feel much better about yourself and the game if you've done something productive during what you are sure will be a loss. Um, but surprise, surprise, there was also a great second half. Um, overtime, not so much. Um, but there's a lot to talk about with this game. I want to turn to Scott first. Uh, I know Scott has voiced some opinions already about who he may or may not have thoughts about. And then Paul can talk and I'll talk and then we'll get to three stars. And then uh, we will break down the rest of the season because uh, that's going to be the serious stuff. So, Scott, what did you make of this game when you woke up and found out about it and then watched, I assume, the rest of it? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Um, we were we were all chatting uh, as it approached the 1030, 1040 hour here and me planning on being in, in the office at about 6 a.m. the next morning. I was kind of like, I don't really feel like there's much point in watching the rest of this game as Josh Allen throws his interception on a you know, uh, to be perfectly honest, really dumb decision that he seems to be doing about once a week at this point, which is not yeah. great. Um, he had pretty much cut that out for a while. It seems like we're back to it. I'm okay with one dumb decision a week, as long as he's doing the rest of the things that he does really well, which he obviously did part of the second half. Um, but yeah, I, I phoned it in at that point, and then, yeah, saw the next morning, oh boy, well, sounds like it was a heck of a game. Um, so that was a little disappointing, but in terms of things people actually care about other than my game watching experience. You know, um, I want to just say our country thanks you, Scott, because you don't just get up at six in the morning for yourself. You get up at six in the morning for everybody. So, you know what? Everyone can back off of Scott. He fits in what he can. That's what she said. <laughs> Being in the office at 6 a.m. Just for the Yes. Right. Anyway, um, the problem with the bills is that they continue to be a very inconsistent team, right? There's uh, some adjustments that they can make and fix some things sometimes at half. Clearly, they were able to do that. Um, I also won't rule out that 
some of that game is Tampa Bay obviously going to be taking its foot off the gas. Why wouldn't you if you're, you know, looking at a 24-3 halftime um, score where you've basically been, except for one Bills drive where we completed like three passes in a row, just dominated the whole, really the whole half. There was nothing that Tampa Bay really could have done all that much better in the first half. Um, so I, I think I don't, I am, I am certainly pleased with the, the fight and the emotions. And I know that you guys on Twitter were, were, I think we were all aghast at the effort um, that was being put forward in the first half and pleased to see it turn around in the second. Um, it was really fun to see that, that team that we kind of know and love the one that, that is capable of doing great things. Um, Frank and I will probably continue our running, um, running gun battle about run pass and the relative value and how many um, at some point in this podcast, but we don't need to do that right this second. Um, I will say I, if, if I'm going to place the blame on some, some people, because uh, I'm that guy, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start a bit with um, McDermott because another couple, couple poor choices um, in a variety of spots, um, whether it's the, the, the fake punt is a, is a, is a killer. Um, especially looking at, at, at the, the kind of the breakdown after the fact of like the Bills basic, excuse me, the, the Bucks left their basically their punt return safety defense on. Like not the regular punt return team was on there, but basically the defense plus a punt returner. And they were actively looking for a fake. Plus they saw Brita on the field. There was very little chance that that play was going to work and they still went out there and ran it and they didn't just punt it away. Um, I, I would have probably not been thrilled with the punt anyway, but certainly the fake punt was a was not a was not a good decision. I also would have been more than fine going for it. I think that would have been a, a good decision as well, better decision likely the way they were the ball in the second half. Um, but yeah, and then I will also go the defense in general. If you hold Brady to 33 points in overtime, that's pretty good. But the killer for me, um, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I was talking to the guys before briefly. I am I am not to be totally misogynist, but I think he is fully into looks like Tarzan plays like Jane territory. Is he has always had all the talent, always had all the skills, the youth, everyone known what an athlete he can be and what he looks like he should be. Um, you know, he looks like a tyrannosaur coming out on the field. But then it's him and Leonard Fournette in the hole. I'm not even annoyed about the Paraman thing. The Paraman thing wasn't on him. You can't expect any of the linebacker in the league to stay with Perriman on a crossing route like that. That is 100% of the secondary breakdown. That's not on him. To me, it was the fourth down, Fournette up the middle, him and Fournette in the hole. Fournette is a good back, but you know exactly where he was going, and Edmonds has to be able to deliver the wood. He was in the hole. He had made the correct decision, and he couldn't get him down. And that was – and I'm just – if he's going to be the the – at this point, you know, Milano's the cornerstone. And maybe it's maybe I've over-evaluated him all along. Maybe other people are doing it as well. Maybe it's just me who thought that Edmonds was supposed to be the cornerstone of the defense. It's not. Milano's the cornerstone of the defense. He well, showed that. Milano took Milano took over one of the drives. He absolutely blew up two out of the three plays shortly after. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. On Brady in the game was Milano, if I'm not mistaken. So um just a you know, a, a good comeback from him. Um, obviously, we have leaders in the secondary as well, and you know Hughes uh, on the front. But um, just the 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 amount of effort and emotions that I've invested in Tremaine Edmonds, I'm kind of just done with him at this point. He's 
he's a perfectly good um, league average linebacker. Great. Um, let's not let's not um, let's not sign him. I mean, we already signed him, right? He's already signed. He's uh, one more. They franchised him, or they're not franchised. They exercised a fifth year option, so he's coming back yeah, at least is. next year. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just really comfortable with with if him if he doesn't make the team after that, I'm not I'm not crying in that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, go I, ahead, Paul. Yeah, I was going to say Tim Graham. Uh, I'm normally not a fan of his game summary articles. I like his long form articles better. But he essentially implied that this game is whatever you want it to be is the Bills. Whatever narrative you have about the Bills, congratulations. This game could very easily be used to reinforce it. The you know, as Frank mentioned, the optimism in the the second half, and, and Scott had, had mentioned it too, they came out and they looked like the team that we have expected them to be all year. They were down 17 points on the road to the then 9-3 and three Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champions, uh, 11 minutes left down 27-10, and they came back and tied it and almost almost won it in outright in regulation. And that was, you know, just spectacular. Josh Allen looked great. But the first half also happened. And that was the reason that the second half had to be, you know, what it was. If they had played like they they did in the second half in the first half, they wouldn't have won, you know, 48 to 6 or whatever it would be when you just double their second half totals. But they would have probably kept Tampa Bay at bay better, no pun intended. The offense would have not been in its way so much. Devin Singletary would have had a 100-yard day on eight carries if, you know, the trends carried over because – they they ran sporadically enough that it caught them off guard, but they ran effectively when they did run. Uh, three out of their four runs, uh, and I think three of the four Singletary runs and five of the six running back runs or whatever it was were were good, solid runs. So there was a lot wrong with that first half. And the concern is, of course, yeah, we've seen that Bill second half team before, but we haven't seen them consistently this year playing a complete game. You know, there a game's going to have its ebbs and flows, but that doesn't mean you can't play as well as you can for most of it. And the Bills have just not done that much this year. And it, you know, makes you wonder if they're going to have letdowns as the the rest of the season goes on, uh, as as the season concludes. I really should say at this point, I on on defense, I I have similar concerns with Scott Edmonds. Is I, we talked last year in the playoffs about how he was missing some tackles, and that's one thing that separated him from being, you know, the 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 real pro bowler that, that he could be. And I know he's been a pro bowler two straight years, but I say real pro bowler because I think he's in on his athletic ability, which is exceptional. Looks like a Tyrannosaurus as is Scott said. So, you know, that's an issue. I thought the secondary acquitted itself pretty well up until this severe breakdown in overtime, the uh, Wallace and Dane Jackson. Yes. I know Tom Brady's numbers look good, but they didn't stand out to me for doing anything wrong. Uh, despite what the officials might have thought in one occasion with with Levi, I thought they they guarded a, an incredible core of receivers pretty well, and I thought you know they they did what they could against against Brady. Offensively, you know we saw still too many occasions of Josh trying to do everything. You've got to support him. This is probably where I go more to Scott's side than than Frank's in terms of you do need to run the ball two running backs a little bit more than zero times for an entire first half of of football. You've got to get them involved because you have to have some, you know, threat of balance. And I think that helped them in the second half. They didn't run much to running backs. I pulled up the box score. It was 
Singletary with three in the second half, one in overtime. Brita with three, so six carries in the second half and one in OT. But that was enough to keep them off guard, and you gained, you know, 60 yards on those runs. Mm. So, you know, that that helps you, uh, you know, get chunks of yards pretty, pretty, pretty well. So I, I just need to see a beginning to end sort of performance by the Bills. Also, sh- we're going to forget him. Shout out to Matt Hawk for who's had a tough year, but came up with a, a great punt in a in the toughest scenario. So, you know, bottom line, just have a full game of this this guys have a full game of this bills because we don't want to be sweating going down we want to see a win over the patriots in two weeks to show that you can be the team that we think you can be i am not sure how you two watch this game and don't understand that everything begins and ends with josh allen i don't understand the the runs of Devin Singletary and Matt Breida were fine. They were not what opened up the offense. It's the 12 carries for 109 yards by Josh Allen rushing that opens up the offense. It is nothing to do with the running game. The running game is awful. And if anything, Devin Singletary gets some nice yards per carry, not because he did some great runs, but because they were thinking about Josh Allen. The only reason to run the football is so that he gets a, to take a breath on offense. The man took over the football game. He took over the football game. And if the officiating was better, he would have won the football game. And nobody's brought up the officiating yet. I, I think that there are many um, instances where we have all said that, you know, you have to win despite bad calls. Well, you know what? At the end of the game, a couple of jersey pulls on Stefan Diggs. I feel like he's the type of receiver who um, ought to warrant uh, a little closer scrutiny. And some pretty blatant jersey grabs and pulls were there at the end. Um, no, this is the Josh Allen show. If the Bills are going to make the playoffs and they're going to, you know, win the East or whatever, it's going to be because Josh Allen threw for 308 yards and ran for 100 more. He's going to have to probably do that against a team like New England. He might not have to do that against a team like the Jets or the Falcons, but it's him. He's the guy, especially this year, because the running game is atrocious, because the receivers are very good, but they need him to get them to the ball, because the defense has some really nice stars, but they're missing a, a key injury and they do some things very poorly. He's the guy. You're going to have to do that. And in the first half, they didn't do that. I don't think there was a lot of only one uh, who touched the ball in the first half. He was <laughs> the only one who touched the ball in the first half. We didn't run the ball once in the first half. We scored three points and had a turnover. What is, I don't know what the argument is here. The argument is that because, okay, the argument in part, right, is play calling the argument yep i think we lost frank's mic oh frank is just <laughs> hung up in rage he hung up <laughs> in rage he can't handle it he can't handle nope. the truth that's that's the only logical solution to this um we'll, we'll, we'll just vamp until frank fixes his mic issue here sure frank is carefully plotting some points and he's gonna come back with oh Ah, there we go. There, there we go. I don't know what happened. Sorry. Couldn't um, handle the truth. That's what it was. <laughs> okay. No, I'm sorry. Was the fake punt in the first half? That's what I was asking. 
It was early in the second. Early yeah. in the second. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying <clears throat> most of the Josh Allen runs were in the second half. I think that what I'm trying to say is there is there is play calling issues. There is throwing to people that are open and underneath and taking what's given you. I, I think that it's not that there's not the threat of the run comes simply from a running back being in the backfield and Josh Allen being Josh Allen. OK, I'm not saying you don't need a threat of a run. I'm saying the threat of the run is not Devin Singletary. They don't they don't do anything. They don't do anything, okay? I, they don't. So I don't know why we feel like there needs to be running. I understand what you're saying about the first half. They didn't run. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just sort of an accident, frankly. I don't really think the two are related. I don't think if they had ran more in the first half, they would have had a better offense. I don't. Um, and I don't, again, I don't know what to tell you. The entire second half was Josh Allen. It was the Josh Allen show co-starring a couple of other people and that and the defense actually like let's let's you know scott you said they tur- they 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 um they maybe took their foot off the gas i don't think so i've never seen a tom brady team take their foot off the gas in the first in the second half ever never seen it he just he doesn't do it up 27 to 3 is not enough for for tom brady and i think they were trying and i think they changed some things and i think it worked and i think that the, the the weird thing is that that overtime touchdown, everybody swears up and down that that was the assignment. It was supposed to be Tremaine Edmonds on him. I, I sort of think that Hyde or somebody was probably supposed to stay in the middle uh, so that they could recover and 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 and, and cover whatever else better. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, if if they call a pass interference in the end zone, we have a completely different um results of this game and maybe we're talking about it differently i i am fully ready to stake uh on on this the rest of the season on saying if josh allen doesn't have these types of performances for the rest of the year they're not going to make the playoffs they're not going to get into the playoffs or win the east he's going to have to play like an mvp in the next four weeks i think i think that's the case that you make at the end of the season if they win the east it's because they went four and oh and josh allen averaged three touchdowns and one interception every game and wiped the floor with lesser talent than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's just, there's just no two ways about it. I'm sorry. He He's the $7 billion man. I think in the second half, they let him play like the $7 billion man. And that's what I've been waiting for. I've been sort of waiting for rogue Josh Allen to say, forget this bullshit. I'm just going to fucking make stuff happen because it's, it's time. They, whatever else they're doing, I don't know. I'm I'm ready to move on from Brian Dable. I am ready. I feel like there must be coordinators out there that look at this talent and feel like they can definitely do something with it. It's not that I'm saying that we 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 shouldn't invest in in linemen and um that's what happened in the first half. They couldn't Spencer Brown couldn't block in the first half. That's what happened. Spencer Brown was unable to block. They just sort of like ran right at him and he like glitched. His microphone went dead in the first half, and they were just like, okay, we're just going to keep recording without you, Spencer. Sorry, you can be on the next episode of the show. Anyway, I'm frustrated I, I, with, with – um, with, I will with briefly the, say I, I, don't think, I don't think there's any debate that obviously Josh Allen is the most important person on the team, the most important person on the offense. The question is 
how do we let Josh, how do we make Josh Allen and the offense succeed? And to me, it is the correct balance of relying on the, the, the poor and, you know, frequently dismal running game, such as it is enough to allow the offense to have some creativity to it and force the defense into at least having to think about the other parts of the game. Because that to me is, that is, that is the question because obviously, yes, Josh Allen needs to play really well for the bills to win. That's not in debate. The question is, is that him throwing 60 times a game and never running the ball um, or and never running the ball with a running back and only letting him, you know, the, the offense that was being executed in the first half in which no running back touched the ball. Um, or a offense that looks a little more like it did in the second half where there was this kind of attempt to run the ball. And in this case, it actually worked out in our favor because they were able yeah. to not just take the pressure off of Allen, but actually pick up positive yardage and threaten Tampa Bay through another thing. Okay. I, I don't but, think that's, that's okay. Not, I'm not, that's fair. That's fair. What I want to say is you and I and Paul are not sure about how much the first half led to the second half running success. Okay. That, when you have run pass options, it might've been that the run options were always terrible in the first half. And I, I would just say that like, we don't know that defensively the Buccaneers didn't change what was happening because they said, okay, well, we're just going to play pass more. And that then, on and the it, run. They gave it to the game sitting on the run. No, the line was getting destroyed in the first half. So maybe Josh Allen just kept thinking the best bet is me. And I'm, I'm just going to, try and make me the best bet here. We uh, that's what I'm what I'm saying. I'm also saying that you're right Scott that in general a better running game probably would help this team overall, but we are here now. We are here now and we are not going to get a better running team over the next 4 weeks. We are not going to get a running team good enough to actually help him. So give the appearance of the run. If they're going to give you the run, take the run, but otherwise it has to be the Josh Allen show. It has to be hero ball Josh Allen. And he's going to make a few mistakes, but you would hope that overall he he does more uh, good than harm. Like, let's not – he threw for 67% to, you know, that night. He played 308 yards passing. I mean, 109 yards on the ground. The man should run every chance he gets. Now, I understand his foot was in a boot for a few hours. But like I said last week, he's as big as most of the guys tackling him. I don't know. I was – I'm happy with certainly the second half offense. Obviously, nobody's happy with the first half offense. I just don't – I think that, I think that you know, really set, six runs in the second half by running backs was enough to balance the whole thing. So, it, you know, it, we'd, we'd feel happy if he threw 48 times and they had – 12 to 13 runs the whole game that's enough all right i don't know i did that to me does not sound like the difference between winning and losing in tampa i don't i mean to me the winning and losing like in tampa was about two or three holds on 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 players that didn't get called and two or three terrible coaching calls i don't know that's where i'm chalking up most of my problems Ball. Yeah, I mean, uh, my my side is closer to to Scott's here still. Sorry, sorry, Frank. You, you you're both off at, the pot. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at Cam Newton. Look at Cam Newton. Louder and louder in an attempt to make his point. Right. Cam Newton in 2015 was the league MVP. By 2019, he was a replacement level quarterback. And now by 2021, he's a guy who's struggling to, you know, have a job with with the, the, the opponent the Bills will play this week. There is a toll that is to, he is as big as the people who are tackling him, too. That that doesn't mean that that doesn't take a toll uh, over the course yeah. of years. And, it, and eventually it's going to be worse than just wearing a walking boot a couple days a week, you know, you know, at the beginning of a week and being limited in practice. It's going to be missing significant time or suffering some sort of injury that is more long lasting. They need to develop support yeah. in some way. Yes. It, well, to yes. And Allen is already a better passer than Cam Newton. He already is. Yes. So when the time is right, he will hopefully knock on wood, be able to transition to passing more. And I am not saying that in 2022, I hope we don't have a better running attack. I am saying for the duration of 2021, all hands are on deck. It is, it's go time. You know, it, get your ass out there and play football. Run. Do whatever you have to do. Score points. I agree with Frank's point that we should score points on offense. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Agree. So this is good. We haven't had division on this podcast in a long time. We've been spoiled by this good football team. And so, you know, thank that. I would like to thank them for losing in the only regard that matters. Entertaining argument. <laughs> Grading good content. Yes. That Make was some good it. content. NBC or CBS by in the second half had some good content. A lot of people turned off in the first half. That is, they that did. is their problem. They did. Even Tony Romo was like, wow, blah, 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 blah. Well, they already had, they already had several hours worth of Tom Brady fellatio <laughs> um, built into the schedule. So they needed to get through that early in this. I think Romo was pretty, pretty fair and even hand. I th- at the end, he had definitely said that Allen was, was the, was he basically intimated that Allen was playing as the better quarterback, basically. He, and he was through the second half. He second half, he absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. In and the then, first and half. time, we're talking about, you know, one one or two stupid plays, including the, the big one. That was just, like, unbelievable. I mean, just just unbelievable that that, that that was a plan. That the plan was, you know, Perryman should be covered by a linebacker. I don't know. Uh, for those who have don't have the athletic on – Pascalia's all 22 breakdown, he makes it pretty clear there's no way that that was the coverage. That, yeah, because right. Jackson <laughs> they was kept follow- saying it was. And Jackson Jackson was following uh, Perriman across the field, and then but because they were crossers, Wallace broke off and covered the same guy that Jackson was ending up covering. Um, and Jackson stayed with uh, Godwin, I think, is who the other crosser was. And um, one someone made the wrong decision. To Probably leave Edmonds. Jackson, then, right? Edmund, yeah, you would think it's Jackson as, as obviously a seventh rounder who's limited on the team for two years and is starting in his second week. And Edmonds had basically dropped into a robber so that he could be the guy who could pick it off if it was right at him and take away the middle of the field, but not stay with a wide receiver running a crosser. That's, uh, yeah, which, which makes sense. And I don't think Lacey Frazier would drop a defense. <laughs> I'm sure Leslie Frazier appreciates you saying that. Yeah. Because he has to go out there and say, no, that was the defense and they just had a good play. No, it's and, and he's a good coach for doing it. That is yeah. That is what a leader does. If they had played like they if the first half like if it was the game 
that the first half looked like, I fully expect that people would have thrown other people under the bus this week. I think it was going to happen. And I think the second half might have given the team a bit of confidence coming out of the game. I don't know, because the week before was really chippy. There was a lot of nonsense being said in the press. Yep. 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 This week, this week, the only nonsense was McDermott defending some of his decisions in the press. Yeah, no, he (laughs) stopped his. Right. He's he's regret. We could. That's an offseason topic. But, you know, has McDermott regressed? You know, uh, it's a legitimate question. Point. He seems to hold back the team as much as anybody. And for a lot of the things that he has done right, he gets this. I think he gets a lot of this. He gets some of this wrong. And he coaches like chicken shit. To be blunt, and I that's what I felt like was different in the second half. I felt like they were a little more ballsy. I felt I, I he needs to get to a point where he understands that there is nothing left to lose, right? Like there's no fucking point in making the playoffs and looking like an asshole. Or, you know, losing by seven is not better than losing by 40. You're you still lost. So don't do a fake punt. Just send the offense out there because there's nothing Matt Hack can do that Josh Allen can't do in that position a hundred thousand times better. I don't know. I think that's just you know. Yep. And then said the non fate when they punted, and then the the, the Bucks marched all the way down the field anyway and got yeah. three. And like they they got back to where Buffalo punted from in about five six plays and just took yeah. more time off the clock. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, honestly, if there if we hadn't spent a half hour on this game already, which we have, uh, I would I would be happy to go into that a bit more. But I think you're right. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about McDermott decision making in the offseason. And as it turns out, probably the next few years, regardless of how yep. the season goes. So with that, we should get to three stars where coaches are not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, three stars. There were a lot of good players in this game um, on multiple multiple levels. Like uh, like Shaq Barrett, honorable mention, like looked like he was going to destroy Josh Allen in the first half. Like mm-hmm. And Spencer Brown was going to be standing there continuing to be a turnstile on the way to the to the three headed hound of, of Hades. Um, we uh, Herberus, we we that. we. Replaced Spencer Brown with Cordy Ford. Let's see if anybody notices. <laughs> it was it was it was uh, not good. It was not good. Um, but uh, you know uh, him, uh, Devin White um, had the had the uh, had a couple big plays. I noticed uh, linebacker for for Tampa played well. Um, obviously on the Bills defensive side, I think Poyer um, did a hell of a job hanging in there with Gronkowski for a lot of the game. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of one-on-one coverage. Um, obviously Gronkowski is, he's a future hall of fame tight end. I mean, it's really not, there's not much debate about that. Yeah. Um, if Boyer doesn't that, make a pro bowl this year, there's, uh, there's really something wrong with the system. He has just been spectacular all season. Yeah. Um, uh, Gronkowski limited to five catches for 62 yards, which is honestly, I would say probably just about the best we've ever done against him. That <laughs> he's actually been healthy for a game um, that we played him. Um, so Poyer played well. Um, little shout out to Eli Anku, who was not on the Bills, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, probably. Yep. Um, but had uh, did have technically a sack on the the one of the the plays at the goal line, also had another stuff on another play. Um, so it was nice to see that. 
And he um, also opened up the hole for Tremaine Edmonds to make the third down stop on Leonard Fournette that did not, in fact, happen. But but he created the hole for it to happen. He was he he did his job. Um, honorable mentions also go to um, <laughs> trigger alert, Frank Devin Singletary, <laughs> four carries, fifty-two yards, but also six catches for thirty-seven yards. Um, a nice nice day at the office for him. Yeah, way not to Gabe, look like. 89 yards on 10 touches. Not a bad day for running back at all. Uh, Gabe Davis, super, super good. Like, uh, Beasley had a had a nice game, but I am fully on board. The Gabe Davis needs to play more a train. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yes. Sanders, Sanders is, like, had an, it was nice to see him, you know, uh, a nice um, retirement party that we threw for him the first six weeks of the season. But that party is over. And now the future is here, and Gabe Davis needs to be playing opposite Stefan Diggs uh, in in the starting offense. And and if Cole Beasley is is the slot, great. If we want to, you know, work Sanders in, and Davis is the third guy, that's fine too. Um, but that's those are the best players on the field, right? That that's not really a debate. Not a debate um, at all. I can keep going. Mike Evans, obviously. Um, a good game. Chris Godwin had 10 catches for 100 yards. A lot of good performances. Let's get to the real thing. Third star goes to Leonard Fournette. 19 carries, 113 yards, and the touchdown. Um, also had four catches for 16 yards. Obviously, the backbreaking um, early 46-yard run that that I think was as much of an emotional kind of damage for the Bills um, and the run defense under the theory that like that is the one thing that they have been hammered on the last several weeks and then to give that up to Fournette who is not that fast he is a good back but he is not that fast and for him to break into the open like that and just and beat everybody to the corner um, because there was no one in his area code that is just um atrocious but I mean credit to him for executing it well but he otherwise he had a good day everything he did he did the normal Leonard Fournette things well too which is get five yards of carry because he's just a big guy and hard to tackle so uh, second star goes to Josh Allen, who obviously was heroic in his comeback efforts with the 36 of 54, 308. Uh, Are you passing. sure? Are you sure you don't want to give it to a running back? <laughs> Two okay. touchdowns, one interception, um, obviously took the sacks, which is tough because the line was certainly, I agree with Frank's point, the line was certainly not helping him out a lot in this game. Um, obviously had the big 12 carries for 109 yards and the touchdown obviously was just a hair out on, and as, as just I will say for the record, obviously, it would have been great to see him get get into the end zone on that play. That still only is just uh, it, it's not over till it's over. Brady still gets the ball after that, even if there was not that much time. Um, so the but anyway, and then first star, I'm I'm checking my notes here. I don't I wrote something down, but it's smudged. So I think we should just skip it. Yeah. And we'll just skip. We'll just skip first star this time because I don't. I don't want to just pull a name out of a hat and I mm. can't read it. It wouldn't be fair to the to the players in the game to to just kind of make up something on the spot. So I'm sure whoever it was was deserving and not um the <clears throat> you know of the root of all evil. So yeah. Just some those guy. are your those are your two stars. Yep. Enjoy. Hooray. Thank you. Two stars and stuff. some avocado toast. Um I need a palate <laughs> cleanser before we move on to um the playoffs and stuff. And I just was checking the tweeter um, and NFL announces international home marketing area teams and markets. And basically the idea is that teams 
will be getting international. I, I, I put the tweet in, in the chat, guys. Um, the groundbreaking new initiative grants clubs access to international territories for marketing, fan engagement, and commercialization as part of an important long-term strategic effort to enable clubs to build their global brands while driving NFL fan growth internationally. I will have you know that there are 26 names listed under a handful of countries. Mm-hmm. As you know, there are 32 NFL teams. More so, a handful of teams such as the Rams and the Bears are listed more than once in multiple countries. So in Canada, you know, I won't list Canada. Germany is Carolina and the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Buccaneers. And the UK is the Bears and the Jags and the Dolphins and the Vikings and the Jets and the 49ers. The Dolphins are also in Spain with the Bears again. China and Australia are exclusively the Rams. Um, let me save you the suspense. You can read this a thousand times and you're not going to see the name Buffalo Bills anywhere. Right. I read it three just to make sure. And then I counted <laughs> yeah. like you did and I saw the, saw the 26. I'm like, hmm. I didn't go screwed. through all the teams because I just found this. I also noticed the Lions are not on here. Um, so uh, I don't see. I mean, the, the Jets Every are on FC here. Every East team is on here. At least in Miami's case, three times. Yeah. So there you go. Um, as was pointed out, nobody in Africa has been granted a team yet. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe hey, Eritrea, the bills are here. We are open for business. A lot of problems ready right for now. You. Lot Siberia. Of Let's skip it. Yeah, yeah, Eritrea. I, I, they're not having a fun time in Eritrea no. at this point. Okay, but like Siberia is available. <laughs> I, I see a lot of the island nations are available. Um, anyway, uh, you know, in addition to not getting any calls, apparently we're not worthy of, you know, every time. If somebody takes a shit sideways in this league, Bills fans will donate $17 to something. Okay, so I mean, come on. The first country to like adopt the bills or the bills to agree with the whole like the bills mafia is going to make that like the second home. They will tailgate in your country. They will give you $17 for something. So. I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking, you know, just I mean, uh, for all of our uh, (laughs) defense, defense department listeners out there, the NFL has divided the world up into the combatant commands. So that's good to know. Um, but yeah. And who has a bigger the, international audience than us? It's literally the dumbest. This this makes no sense. How are the Bills not the Canada team? Like literally exactly. we're talking about moving the team to fucking Canada five years ago. <laughs> like this isn't like, this isn't that hard. Like, was it just, did the, what is more likely? They thought of the Bills and they went to the Pagulas and the Pagulas are like, no, we're not interested, which doesn't make any sense because it's just money. And like wh- this appears to be a costless um, investment uh, or a access kind of thing. Or was it that like the Pagulas wanted it and the NFL office had to say to them, no, it's more important for us to give this territory to the Vikings and the Seahawks and give you nothing. Like what is what? I can't explain how that how that makes sense. Well, I. uh um bills vhs uh if you're listening bills vhs is perhaps the single best thing to happen to twitter this football season bills vhs literally is just here are old 
football games featuring the Bills, and it is beautiful. He does a really nice job, and he makes, and he makes. I'm assuming he, sorry, um, the, the the account makes gifts, and it's really awesome. Their position is that the, the NFL is dividing up the world with no regards to international fans who already exist, and I and I, I think that is 100% right. So. Thank you for passing that along. Uh, I'm just going to retweet MNY Bills and say, uh, you know, if you want, you can tune in and hear us crushing this on Bills MNY. Okay, we've delayed long enough and we're at 40 minutes, so it is time to get moving. Um, the Bills are still the seventh seed by by uh, uh, by miracle. Um, <laughs> Paul did some math earlier. Um, he went to the New York Times playoff predictor, I believe, mm-hmm. and said if, if they win the three games they're currently favored in and lose the one game that they don't, they're somewhere in the 80% to make the, the playoffs for the year. That is a wild card position, um, uh, which totally tracks. Um, that makes that makes total sense for me. I, I pers- the one seed is done, by the way, for everyone at, at, at home. It is, it is less than 1% according to... Uh, the New York Times as of right now. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Well, <laughs> it's, I, yeah. Yes, less there's a chance. Yeah. Yes, it's less than 1%. Uh, they have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl, as it turns out, at 5%. Yes. Um, and a 20% chance at hosting a wildcard game. And I think that that, personally, is in the cards for me. If they win out, which is actually what I think. I'll let you know now. I s- might have said this last week. I think I did. They're at, if they win out, it's a 68% chance that they they host the wild card because they really only need the Patriots to lose one game. And I think this Colts game is a great game for them to lose coming up right now. Um, but even if they don't, even if they lose at the Patriots but beat the Panthers and the Falcons and the Jets, 90% right now to make the wild card in and abouts. So there are very it's, – it's a very good – it's a very good um, likelihood – that they're going to make the playoffs. But do we want to take this time to comment on that? Like, Yeah, you know, it's funny when you said, well, if you root for the Colts this week, if you root for the Colts this week, the Bills, no matter what they do Sunday, are no better than the seventh seed again going into this, uh, you know, coming stretch of games. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I think we'll have some clarity. If we won't discuss it much this week. I think after the Patriots game, we'll have clarity on what are the odds. Is it going to be a fight to just make the playoffs? Are they in position for a division title now? You know, what's going to happen? I think so many things are up in the air. The only thing I'll comment on is just the fact that, you know, here we are in what, about 10 of the AFC teams have a 30% chance or, or better to make the playoffs. It is, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, just how everyone's kind of hovering in that seven to six area, seven and it's six area. Good. It's a very mixed, it's a very mixed AFC, and I sort of agree with Tony Romo when he said that the Bills are one of the more complete seven and five teams in yep. the history of football because they're a really good team. Like in a lot of years, they wouldn't be seven and five even with the, even with their problems. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. I was done. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, for me, it's still pretty early. Like it, it's hard for me to really con contemplate the because of the amount of teams that are still involved, um, what the scenarios are and who I want to be rooting for. I think I am, it is weird to think of this team as much as like, yes, I am completely in agreement that this team has, a, yeah, a 5% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Absolutely, I believe that. Um, 
if not more, and mm-hmm. that this team can go on a run and 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 go all the way. I have no doubts about that. But I also am 100% tracking that there have been a fair amount. It's different because of the 17-game um, schedule. But we've had a fair amount of teams that were a game around 500 in the last 25 years that have not actually really done anything. Um, right. Either they've gone to the playoffs and lost in the first round or, or fizzled out going into the last three games. Um, because if you lose to the shit show that is the Jaguars, you can do anything in terms yep. of playing bad football. Uh, because that team is horrific and we've lost to them. We are one of their two wins. And like Myers calling people out all over the place. The the Jaguars players are talking to the Rams being like, this whole fucking <laughs> a big fucking joke. How are you guys doing? Um, I mean, it's so, not even, they're not even just bad, right? They're like, they're like all time. There will, there should be a 30 for 30 on what the fuck happened to the Jaguars <laughs> this year. Yeah, it's not, if you lose to the Panthers, who are five and eight, like, oh man, we lost to a bad team. Five and eight is not two and eleven. <laughs> you know how does how in the hell? And it's not a divisional opponent. Sometimes weird things happen in the division. Just no, yeah, thirty this, for thirty this, needs to happen. This is a this is a this and that and that would be the coda. That's why they will do it. And maybe this is the karma that will happen: is the Bills win the Super Bowl, and then what happens is is yeah, there's a thirty for thirty in ten years, and it's like. How did the Super Bowl champion Bills lose to one of the worst teams in the history of the NFL? <laughs> yep. Right. A self-destructing Jaguar team in week 10 or whatever. So, yeah, it's too early for me to get really riled up about playoffs. Well, I, I think that the good news, and we'll we'll move on quickly, because you're right, Scott, we don't know. And it is early because of, of the, the tightness of the races and, and the opponents left. I think the good news is, you know, Tampa was the last sort of um, – uh would be nice to have won kind of game right like it didn't make or break their playoffs every game from here on out does i i think i'm with scott that they they get one mistake and frankly if you're gonna make a mistake lose to an nfc team but um really you know we're here now it's the four games i if if I had my drug and we weren't behind, we would be picking all four of these games, but we won't be. Because I'm going to briefly mention that the teams that don't have an assigned home country, I, I, as as um, Rock City Rep just tweeted me, Dan Fisher, um, shout out Rochester to Dan. Uh, the Falcons, Ravens, Bills, Browns, Bengals, Lions, Packers, Colts, Saints, Giants, Eagles, Titans, and Washington football team all have none. I'm surprised that the Giants and Eagles don't. Everybody else kind of makes sense. I, Saints kind of don't make sense either. Yeah, Saints, Saints, Saints. I find questionable not being yeah. on there. Maybe, maybe they're just waiting. Maybe they're just you know waiting on those countries and they didn't want to wait on everybody. Anyway, those are the teams. The the Dolphins and the Rams have three countries each, and the Vikings get two. So thank you for somebody doing the math. Speaking of math, let's add up all the injured Bills. <clears throat> Josh Allen limited with a foot, but not so limited that he couldn't go to dinner and see Hamilton which he said was a good show um, without his boot, no less. Um, Jerry Hughes has a foot issue. Star Latulale has a toe issue. Tommy Sweeney has a hip issue. Latulale and Sweeney both missed last week. 
Um, Taiwan Jones did not practice with a knee injury. Emmanuel Sanders did not practice with a knee injury. There were a few more guys who were on veteran rest days. <clears throat> and that is the Bills limited. Uh, that's the Bills injury. They had a walkthrough today. It was not a full practice. Um, so that was today on Wednesday. And we'll see how Thursday and Friday go. I think if Allen's walking around without a boot and going to things and, uh, you know, was limited today, it's pretty likely he's going to play against the Panthers. I don't think we're going to see Mitchell Trubisky unless um, <clears throat> unless they absolutely something changes. The other interesting story is the massive COVID-19 outbreak uh, as of, let me see, Field Yates. 31 more players placed on the reserve COVID list today for a total of 85 placed in the last three days, including what sounds like an entire unit, basically like uh, 11 people ver of uh, on the Rams, you know, just like an entire unit worth of people um, were, were put on the uh, list the day after they played um, a Monday night football game. So, or, or the Sunday night game, one of the two. So not great, actually. Um, pretty awful. Um, no sense on whether it, this is an Omicron uh, issue or not, whether it's just like super, super um, contagious or not. Who is the bill player that I, I texted you guys that he has it? Um, and he's almost certainly vaccinated because he's looking for some negative tests. Oh, Dotson, um, Dotson yeah, Terrell Dotson. Yeah, Terrell Dotson, that's right. He has COVID. Um, unlike everybody else on the Bills who's had COVID, he immediately tweeted and said, thanks, everyone, for your concern. Uh, feeling good, asymptomatic, hoping for a couple of negative tests and to get right back onto the field. So um, that to me is, you know, probably how you sound when you're vaccinated. Also good evidence that Josh Allen is vaccinated because he's out um, at a indoor facility in New York state going to a show. And from yeah, what I understand, you have to be vaccinated to do that. So you actually have to be vaccinated to get tickets to Hamilton. So yeah, he is right. definitely, definitely vaccinated. Hmm. Um, so there you go there. Um, and then we should probably get right to listener questions in this day in Bill's head. Yeah, and this goes well into one of the the first of our two listener questions, uh, which was from Nick Walwork, who's like, hey, at MNY Bills, do the Bills have a COVID problem? They managed it well last year, but this year, key players are missing key games. And it's funny, Nick tweeted this a little over the announcement of the 37 yesterday before the 31 today on the COVID list. And I probably said, yeah, I think there's a COVID. You're missing Klon. They've lost a little lately a couple of games. The Spencer Brown COVID games hurt the team as well. But now maybe they don't have as big a problem. Maybe everyone who's unvaccinated except for Beasley has gotten COVID. And now they don't really have to worry about because I have enough antibodies to avoid that in the, the playoffs. So, you know, it, I, I would have said, you know, when you tweeted this, Nick, a day and a half ago, I probably would have said yes. Now I'm I'm not so sure because the Bills are technically sitting pretty on the COVID front this week. I do we all owe Cole Beasley a small apology because it does seem to have been spreading through a bunch of vaccinated players yeah. at this point. I mean, I, uh, Bills and Beers tweeted something too that made me think about how about how the. Um, you know, NFL COVID protocols are are, are just dumb. And I, I wanted to tweet back at him like, uh, you know, it actually makes me feel like Cole Beasley has is, is being rational. He has a point here because they are stupid policies when you when you get down to the bottom of it. 
I, I think the the biggest thing to know is that like like all the teams are going to have issues right now. I mean, I think that's the problem with this variant. It's going to spread fast, and it didn't. I mean, yeah, like get your boosters and stuff, and and that'll help. But again, that's going to help you from not not dying from it and not going to the hospital from it, not 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 having it because it's just going to be. Um, everyone's going to have a COVID problem now. It's just a question of what. What what timeline and what what dice comes up on what week for for who you are? Yeah. So maybe maybe we just sort of got some of our stuff out of the way, and now it's a lot of other people's turn. Yeah. I don't oh. know. I'm hoping that like that happens with one score football games. I'm hoping that like yes. we have we have paid our our dues on losing one score football games this year, and now we will start winning one score football games when they come up. Um. Before you get to the next question, I am so sorry to make this into a Jaguars podcast, but because I am scrolling through the Twitter, I saw this remarkable story from the Jaguars kicker. And let me just read you the quote. Oh, I just Jaguars saw this. Josh Limbo tells NFL Stroud that Urban Meyer kicked him. I am in a lunch position, left leg forward, right leg back, Lambo said. Urban Meyer, while I'm in that stretch position, comes up to me and says, hey, dipshit, make your fucking kicks and kicks me in the leg. Lambo spoke for the first time publicly about what he said happened to him in an interview with the Tampa Bay Times. This is in August. It certainly wasn't as hard as he could have done it, but it certainly wasn't a love tap. Truthfully, I'd register it as a five out of ten, which in the workplace, I don't care if it's football or not. The boss can't strike an employee. And, and for a second, I couldn't believe it actually happened. Pardon my vulgarity. I said, don't you ever fucking kick me again. And his response was, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> so... I mean, is he coaching Oklahoma State next year? Like, or is that too big of a program? He can't no, be in no, Jacksonville I mean, next year. He can't yeah, be. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not good. Yeah, yeah there's a great article in the Washington good. Post about Urban Meyer, too, and just how the shit he does that works with college kids is not going to work with adult players. And also, one reason his college record is is looked at so fondly is like, he got some of the best players. He had that instant built-in recruiting to get the best players. NFL's need a level playing field. What can you do when the, the 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 playing field is leveled like that? Also, I'd like to speak up for the college kicker. No one should be kicking the college kicker either. Right. Yeah. Yes. No. I mean, it's definitely not appropriate any place to do that at any at any level. Uh, if you're an adult, to do that. Um, and I will I will say, Urban Meyer. The reason he got to where he was at Florida and then Ohio State was he did a good job with a Utah program that was certainly not the center of the college football world, mm. um, and he parlayed that into success. So he can. He can um, do. He can be. He can take a bad college team and turn it into a good college team. But yes, obviously that is a completely different skill set to what it requires to succeed. All right. What's our final question before we get to this day in Bill's headlines? All right. Uh, Mark Cavaretti says, well, uh, frames it as ask your boss why he she thinks the Bills don't get the pass interference calls as much as the other teams. Uh, he mentioned my boss because uh, today was my annual review, which I mentioned in my Twitter questions. So um, also ask for 15 percent raise. You deserve it. I did get a raise. So that's good. It was not. Congratulations. 15%. Thank you. Good job. I appreciate that. Um, why don't the Bills get as much pass interference calls? And that is a great question because it's gotten worse is. I saw a stat today about the number of uh, quarterback dropbacks per thing. And Josh Allen is like, he, for, he was like last by far. Like it's not even close. Yeah, it wasn't like close. Double the gap. Right. Um, so what the hell, officials? I don't know. It doesn't make, you have an all pro receiver. 
You think he'd get calls? The Bills receivers don't do a lot of uh, demonstrative, you know, uh, movements when they don't get a call they think they should. Maybe they need to be more divush and prima donnish. And I respect that Diggs isn't like that. And it pisses me off that he's not like that. Maybe he's not getting the calls. And then Mike Evans does his little act and Levi Wallace, who did a great job on that play, could have gotten his head around a little faster, but he still got it around, um, you know, get, gets called for what, you know, ended up being the nail in the coffin for the Bills uh, two plays later. The only thing I saw that helped mitigate that was Sal Capaccio pointed out that a lot of teams play zone, not man hmm. to man. And so you'd expect holding and pass interference to happen a lot more on man to man, not zone. But even still, you know, it's not exclusively zone and it's still like a ridiculous gap between right. out the Bills passing offense and other teams. So do you have any thing I will say? The other thing I'll say is there was one of the um, athletic columns, which again, thank you, Paul, for that lovely gift. Oh, no um, one of the national columnists um, has a column where he, he goes and he says the most risk averse quarterbacks. And actually, Josh, based on on how often they throw into essentially tight coverage, and Josh Allen is the most risk-averse quarterback by that margin. Like, it is not depth of target. It is not, you know, long balls, because obviously we've seen Allen throw plenty of those. But mm-hmm. in terms of fitting things into tight windows, Josh Allen is not interested in trying to fit those things in there, evidently. And that would also be another way that you don't end up with a lot of pass interference calls is because you're not um, highlighting instances where there may be pass interference going on by throwing to guys who are covered because they are being interfered with. So that that the combination of all those things is all a problem. His, yeah, he also met when he does throw into a tight window, the receiver seems to catch it. So that's kind of one of the other problems is that he does have people who seem to catch it, none of which explains how the guy can be have a fistful of jersey in the end zone falling down. I mean, maybe Diggs needs to throw both his hands arm up in the air and, and fall and grab his throat like he's being choked. But I don't know. But it would have helped. It would have helped. In any event, uh, can we go to this day in Bill's headlines? Because yeah. we are approaching an hour here. 58 minutes. Thankfully, maybe, maybe, we can, maybe we can, you know, briefly do the Carolina preview since they seem to be 10 and a half point favorites. Right. Yeah, that'll be brief. And I'm, a lot of these headlines are recent. So I'm hoping you guys will just, you know, kick ass on these. So here we go. December 15th is the day. We're going to go back first to last year, 2020. Blank shined and Bills imposed will on Steelers defense. Blank allowed just one hit on Josh Allen and committed one holding penalty while going against Watt, who entered the game with 12 sacks. Daryl Williams? Daryl Williams. Good job, Scott. Uh, 2019. On this day, by the way, in 2019, the three of us were elsewhere. We were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at this very Pittsburgh City. Yeah. So we were also uh, prepping for a Pittsburgh game. All right. 2019. With no distractions, Bill's blank returns to Pittsburgh. Uh, an interesting article that notes on June 23rd, 2011, Blank was part of a group traveling to Florida with a seven-on-seven football team during a stop in Durham, North Carolina. Blank and one of his best friends, Gerald Turner, were part of a group that got into an argument with a man at a restaurant. Gabriel Gomez then pulled a gun and shot Turner in the back. Uh, another teammate was shot in the leg. The bullets narrowly missed Blank. I did not know this person had such a dramatic uh, experience in his childhood. That guy did go away to prison for life. 
Um, it says Blank play is playing primarily on the Bills special teams. A 2013 Central Valley graduate, he is in his second season as a Buffalo Bills wide receiver. Central Valley special teams wide receiver. Yep. Second year with the Bills, he has bounced around a lot since. No longer on the team. No longer on the team. He's been, he's on, a, I think, the Cowboys practice squad now. He's been on a lot of practice squads. But Deontay a prominent Thompson. Nope. Good guess, though. Prominent receiver from his rookie year was a, a very good year, and we thought he was going to be a big part of the future. And you're sure it's not Deontay Thompson? Positive. Okay. Not the name that's staring me in the face. Okay. Uh, I'll give a hint that might get Scott over the hump. Uh, undrafted Alabama. Robert Foster. Robert Foster. There it is. There the other. <laughs> the other guy. The non-Zay Jones guy. All right. Um, 2018. NFL official fined, then reinstated after being accused of using derogatory language toward blank. According to NFL Network's oh, Tom Pelissero and Mike Garofalo, the NFL is Reinstate umpire Roy Ellison after placing him on administrative leave and fining him $9,300, the equivalent of one game check. Uh, Ellison was previously suspended for 2013 for making a profane derogatory statement toward Washington left tackle Trent Williams. Blank was seen shouting at Ellison in the tunnel after Sunday's game against the Miami Dolphins, accusing the official of calling him a bitch per Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk. I remember this and I can't think of who yep. it was. He was oh. shouting down the tunnel, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And then he had to be restrained by teammates and led down the tunnel. Current Bill. Current Bill. Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes. Very good. So nice. I knew you guys would be plowing through these. Not a lot of not a lot of people left from that long ago. So Jerry Hughes. <laughs> That's true. And I like yeah. how that long ago was 2018, but you're still. Yeah, playing. I know. Right. <laughs> um, 2017. Rookie Blank, now the guy at linebacker for Bills. Blank is a guy that has consistently gained confidence in himself in the scheme. I think his production and his play has exemplified that on the field since he's gotten here. Veteran linebacker Lorenzo Alexander said. Uh, this is linebacker. Before, before Tremaine and before Tremaine. And, and before Matt. No, Wait, no, no, Matt. Because Matt, 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 Matt the is before, so Yes, is, Matt's yeah. already gotten his big payday from the Bills. His rookie contract expired. So, indeed, it was Matt Milano. All right, this one I'm optimistic that Frank's going to get. Um, but we'll see if I'm right. 2014, blank catches on fast with two interceptions. It's just a huge, huge confidence boost, said blank. Washington's 2013 sixth round draft got of George. Harry Rambo. Harry Rambo. His legendary <laughs> game where he intercepted. Aaron Rodgers twice for his first two career interceptions. All right. 2012 blank becomes internet sensation. The video of blanks TD and subsequent fall into the first row of spectators ranks as the most viewed video ever hosted on the bills team website. In Sunday's bills Rams game in Buffalo tight end blank caught a touchdown pass and wanted to make the leap into the bills faithful. But for whatever reasons, the fans weren't ready for the backup tight ends plunge and he dipped into the dark abyss amongst bills fans. Backup tight ends. Okay. Chris Gregg. What was that, Scott? 2012. Yep. And it's not Chris Gregg? Not Chris Gregg. Okay. Uh, Derek Fine. No, another good guess. He's from the later 20 aughts, I think. Since we're since we're trying to move along on time, I will give it what I think is a big hint. He has not played tight end for the Bills since 2020. 
but he was not with the team from 2012 through 2020. So he came back in 2020. Yeah, actually, I think he came back in 2019. Now with the Falcons. No, yeah, I, this, this name's just not coming to you because this is, uh, you got all the hints you could need. So I will give the answer, uh, which is former Chicago Cubs closer, uh, Lee Smith. Also Lee closer. Smith. We okay. love you, Lee. All right. 2011, Buffalo Bills rookie Blank, a late bloomer. On a defense that has struggled, Blank has provided a glimmer of hope for the future. He was projected to be a player who could be an every down linebacker, one that could stand up to the run, defend against the pass, and it would appear that assessment was correct. What year was this? 2011, a rookie round three pick by the Bills out of LSU. Calvin Shepard? Calvin Shepard. Good job, Scott. All right. We'll hey, keep Shane. it rolling. 2009, let's see what blank brings to the table. He could be a total disaster, or he could be, at the very least, a little better than Fitzpatrick. So why give him a tryout these last three games and another lost season for the Bills? Forget about the remaining opponents, New England, Atlanta, and Indy. Interim head coach Perry Fuel should let blank start the rest of the season. Then the team can make a decision about the starter during the offseason. Matt Flynn. No, he was 2013, Matt Flynn. Thad Lewis. Thad Lewis was also 2013. Drew Haddad. Also a wide receiver. <laughs> Who is the UB quarterback though? Uh, Jackson, Tyree Jackson, I think. Tyree UB Jackson, quarterback. not him, because you told right. me the name. Right. Um, I think. Um, I feel like Scott really, really should 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 think of this one. Wisconsin quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson. He was actually not with Scott, but he was Louisville, and Scott knows his quarterback. Oh, Brian Brom. Brian Brom. There we go. Brian Brom. When I said Matt Lewis, that's who, or uh, uh, Matt, Matt Flynn. Lewis. That's who I was thinking. Of, the <laughs> other Green Bay backup quarterback who did nothing. Yep, that that would be correct. Um, <laughs> all right. 2008 torn ACL ends Blank's rookie season. Blank had an MRI performed Monday. The damage to his left knee was apparent, and is not only restricted to his ACL. Uh, possibly some other issues too. When the time is right, we'll address them," said Jerron. But the surgery will require nothing that hasn't been done before to players, and they come back from it. Blank, the Bills' second-round pick out of Indiana, was hurt blocking down the right side on a 35-yard Marshawn Lynch run. Hardy. Yep, James Hardy. I wasn't going to make quizzes out of these two, but we'll uh, we'll do them quickly. 19, these are both on the New York Times transactional waivers for mm-hmm. December 15th. Uh, 1997, Buffalo Bills announced the retirement of wide receiver blank effective at the end of the season. Andre Reed? Yep, he would uh, leave and go to Washington for the end of his career. I was wondering if maybe he had come back to retire with the Bills. Okay, um, Don Beebe? Yep. Maybe think even beyond why, even though he is a wide receiver and he had some 100-yard games as a wide receiver, better known for maybe another type of role. Tasker. Tasker, very good. Uh, and then 1994 on the New York Times transaction list, signed quarterback blank to practice squad. Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. I'm yes. glad I made those quizzes. You guys stepped up. All right, here we go. Last one, guys. And as we did last week, we're going to 1989, the bickering Bills season. Kelly and Thomas make up. Buffalo Bills QB Jim Kelly and running back Thurman Thomas on Thursday tried to repair team unity following Thomas's public attack on Kelly, or Kelly earlier in the week. 
a joint news conference after which they did not answer questions the two players read from prepared statements in which they both apologized for publicly criticizing teammates. Thomas, the former OSU star, leads the NFL in combined yards from scrimmage, said Tuesday that Kelly's last two games were terrible and implied that Kelly is quick to finger teammates when things go wrong, but slow to take any blame for himself. All right, so here we go. Kelly, whom Thomas criticized for publicly questioning former Bills receiver blank and running back blank last year and offensive tackle blank this season, also said he was sorry for past statements. So we need a 1988 wide receiver and running back who weren't on the team anymore and a 1989 current offensive lineman. Correct. I will will clarify the run. Yeah, the, the wide receiver. Uh, was with the Bills in 88. He started the season there in 89. Some of the bickering led to his departure. The running back stayed through 89, stayed through the playoff game very memorably in 89 against the Browns, and then he was gone after that and actually became a pro bowler with, uh, you know, an, another team afterwards. You don't want to mention the other team? Would it give it away? The other team was the Chargers. So I, I'm hoping to get yeah. two out of three of these. I think two of these three are doable. Okay. So, yeah, the guy who became a Pro Bowl running back with the Chargers was known more for being a receiver out of the, the backfield. And that's the role he made the Pro Bowl in with the Chargers. Okay. And that was Gosh. similar to his role in Buffalo. Uh, the running back Mary, running back could Mary. be Paul McCartney. Uh, Marion Butts. Or, was Marion Butts a Bill? He, he was, was never a, a Bill, but he was a Charger, so you're not off your rocker. Yeah. Uh I mean, the problem is like Ladanian Tomlinson now takes up the spot of backfield receiving running back for Chargers. Right. I know there's another one and I can't. I, I'm, I'm So blanking. for the Bills, his biggest and it's not a highlight. Uh, it was not Paul McCartney. Uh, Scott had a great guess there. The playoff game against the Browns, Kelly throws to him wide open in the back of the end zone and he drops it. And it would have been the game winning touchdown. And the next play, Kelly threw an interception and the game was over. Yeah, my problem is, like, that is right before I started watching. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, that game I know is burned into a lot of people's minds, but, like, living in Rochester, I was still playing video games and not watching football. All right, well, let's get one out of three now. I think we can get the tackle here. One of the the Pro Bowl tackles for the Bills. Okay. He was kind of mediocre so, in 89, but he became a very good tackle. So, Hull <laughs> the center, is it mm-hmm. is it House Ballard? It is House Ballard. All right. All right. We got Howard one. Ballard is the guard. Oh, is the guard. Yes. Now, the wide receiver, is the wide receiver a guy who'd been there for a while during the 80s? or was He He had. He was not Jerry Butler there for a while. Uh, He wasn't there that long. Um, I believe he had a son that played. I know he had a son that played in the NFL. And there was another Bills receiver from that era that had a son that played in the NFL. It was a second-round pick by the Bills in 85. Played for the Bills in 85, 86, 87, 88, and then part of 89. Then spent the rest of his career with the Jets. He had... His best season with the Bills was 778 yards, and then the next year, 765, and then uh, Kelly stopped turning to him a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get it because it's not Al Toon, who is the only Jets receiver I remember from that right. era. I also remember Rob Moore as a Jets receiver from that era. Rob Moore was fact, a Jets receiver, yes. that's right. Uh, this is Chris Burkett. Chris Burkett? Oh, my yeah. God! The name Burkett went through my head, but I could I, I wanted to say Kirby. <laughs> I, I thought I was thinking of Kirby Puckett. All right. <laughs> nope, he's a real Chris person. Burkett. Chris Burkett is it. And then the, for the bill. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then the running back, the very last one I think you guys could get. He is uh, famous for what happened to him in college, uh, where he, in a game in the Rose Bowl, he, uh, well, he fumbled the ball like four times, and there were rumors that he'd taken money uh, to help throw the game. He played for uh, Iowa 
in college. 86 through 89 with the Bills. 90 to 95. I want to see if this person is a Bill that I'm thinking of. Okay, he is a Bill. No, this guy went to Millersville. I was thinking of Rob Riddick. No, Riddick was there, though. Yeah. What's that, Scott? John Lennon. John Lennon, the other, another one of the, yeah. well, I was going to say dead Beatles, but McCartney is still alive, allegedly. Yeah, Rob Riddick was at least a Bills running back at the time, so I feel like I've done my my best. Yes, all right. Let's... The correct answer is Ronnie Harmon. Ronnie Harmon! I knew that name. So, right. we got you got House. You, that's, that's not bad, and uh, we got some bickering Bills headlines in there. So that was this day in Bills headlines for December 15th, and except for that last one, you guys did a, a great job, except for, I think Lee Smith was the only one that you, start, you missed. Bills Carolina... Ten and a half point favorites. Sam Darnold was activated. Might play quarterback. Cam Newton had like one awesome game and then turned back into old Cam Newton. And I don't know what the Panthers do well. Um, I feel like the Bills are going to win this game by a zillion. And so I'm going to go ahead and agree to that. I hear people, oh, my daughters are home because they rang the doorbell. They thought that would be funny. Um, I have nothing to say except the Bills need to win this game and they're going to win this game because even if they're going to be Billsy this year, winning this game would be part of that Billsy structure to give us a little hope before they really killed us. Um, X running back Bills for the Bills fouls bankruptcy. Riddle owes lots of money. Oh, oh, Riddick, Rob that. Riddick, yeah. Yeah, okay, anyway, you guys go ahead, give your predictions. Um, Scott, you haven't talked a lot in a while, so give Paul a break, and then Paul. Uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't uh, see how the Bills, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the worry is the Bills just don't show up. Well, um, the Jaguars, and, right. Yeah, I mean, and, but I don't think that there's really anyone on the Carolina defense who is someone that I'm concerned about. Whereas on the Jacksonville defense, they had one really good player who was named Josh, Josh Allen. Um, but uh, other than old friend Stefan Gilmore, who has lost several steps, um, and maybe Shaq Thompson, if you're a little bit, you want to be generous. Um, but otherwise, I'm not seeing a lot of talent on this um, Carolina team. Um, I think obviously they are going through a lot of uh, changes. Obviously they had the, the the quarterback issues. So yeah, I, I think the Bills should win comfortably. I would have put this at yeah, like thirty-four fourteen. I like right. it. Yeah, the Bills have uh, struggled with the nineteen ninety-five expansion cat teams this year. But other than that argument, it's tough to really think of uh of how the, the Panthers have a good avenue to winning unless Christian McCaffrey pulls off a John Cena 2008 Royal Rumble style uh, return out of allegedly being, you know, out for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Barring that happening, Bill should have this game under control. Uh, I will miss this game. Uh, Frank, I'll ask you after the oh pod. Oh, my gosh. Cover me on Twitter. Uh, and I think the Bills win 24 to 10. Very good. Are you, are you doing anything fun? Uh, we are celebrating the Christmas holiday in Richmond one week early. And the only day that my brother-in-law who's an EMT could get around the holidays was December 19th. So very good. Very good. We'll miss by one game a year. I think last year I didn't last year I missed. um, I don't even remember off the top of my head, but I've missed one every year for like five straight years. 
No problem. No problem. I am hopeful to watch the Carolina game, which is the one o'clock kickoff after all the uh, kerfuffle about when they would play. Uh, I'm going to say 700 to two. That's fine. Um, Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they do. Well, I think that the bills are on a mission. I think that even without Tredavious white, you know, that would be a problem if they had a a passing attack with a particular receiver, which I don't really think is going to come into play. Um, I think the bills will be fine. The only concern is Allen, but Allen seems like he's ready to play. And uh, even when he had a shoulder problem last year, they played okay without. I mean, they didn't yeah. play like, the way that you'd think, but, like, they played away. And he finished the game, so I'm pretty comfortable he's going to finish the game. I think it will be an ass-kicking uh, going into the trip to New England where we will have much Sturm and Drang, and, and this segment will take a lot longer. Um, MNY and Bills. MNY, sorry, MNY Bills on Twitter. Um, that's where you can find us. Look for Buffalo Bills maybe next year. I'm going to end quickly. Thank you so much for listening. Until that next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.